0: Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120 KMOX.
1: Michael Calhoun and Catherine Neville, the publisher of Feast Magazine, in for Travis Sheridan on this edition of Nothing Impossible. Thank you for coming in. I am so excited to be here. Excited and maybe a little, little bit of dashing of that excitement this week, I guess, with the Amazon news that came out. The disappointment—we're not in the top twenty. We're yeah. not advancing to the next round.
2: It's disappointing, but I think that it is something that um, we can really learn from and position ourselves for the next opportunity. I'm not a fan of looking backwards. I think you should always be looking forward and seeing what's ahead.
1: And this, we've got it right here. The it's book, huge. 312 <laughs> pages. So there's a lot to learn from, and there's a lot that can be repurposed for Absolutely. the future. For, I mean, the the cover of it, STL Hustle, is is basically the new marketing campaign for St. Louis to business.
2: I think it's brilliant, and um, and it's it's sexy, and it's smart, and I think that it does position St. Louis as a city of doers and makers and people who are um, innovators, and yeah. I think that that is something. That's a narrative that we need to um, you know, really start understanding about who we are because it is who we are. And I think that it's a lot easier to get stuck in kind of like this negative, you know, speak about St. Louis when really St. Louis is an amazing, vibrant city with real assets that are valuable, not only for the people who live here, but for the businesses and the people who are interested in coming
1: here. And we know all about what the package was because we didn't make it. So it was finally released. Uh, The front of the bid says confidential on it. But, uh, If you have not had the chance since it's been made public to go check out the, maybe the John Hamm video, the Mm -hmm. introduction to St. Louis, we'll play a little bit of that coming up, but you can also go to stlewishustle.com and... Check the whole thing out. It's public now.
2: Absolutely. And truly, like you mentioned, this is a marketing campaign for St. Louis. And, um, you know, every city, every state, every municipality, they all have tourism departments. They have marketing departments. You know, that they're these are organizations within um, these municipalities where their entire job is to attract business, to attract tourism, to attract people. And this document needs to be leveraged in that way because I've been covering what's been happening in St. Louis on The food and lifestyle side For almost 20 years And I was surprised By a lot of what I saw Just in skimming this It's exciting
1: Grab a cup of coffee And go where would you suggest people go in St. Louis if they want to spend some time with the 312 pages?
2: Well, you know, um, Urban Chestnut uh, played a pretty big role oh, that's right. in the video. So rather than grabbing a coffee, maybe head over to Urban Chestnut in the Grove and, um, and drink a, a St. Louis made craft beer. Um, but obviously, like yeah, and just kind of like flip through. I mean, it's in the Grove, I think, is one of those up and coming neighborhoods that really shows a neighborhood that 10 years ago, is not anywhere close to where it is now today and that's because of the investment that we've been making in our own city and the and the entrepreneurs who are saying I'm going to invest in St. Louis and I'm going to plant myself here and I'm going to grow. And um, so, yeah, the Grove definitely is a, is a good example of what can and should happen. Cortex also mm-hmm. is another very good example of that.
1: So here on, on Nothing Impossible, we talk about entrepreneurs and innovation, invention, reinvention. That's the theme of the show It's also the theme of a show that you have forthcoming (laughs) that's a national TV show.
2: Yes, Tastemakers. So um, I've been producing, I mentioned I've been in publishing in St. Louis for almost 20 years. I've been producing a television show called Feast TV, which is... Uh, inspired by, drawn from um, Feast Magazine. And uh, so it's been going for the past five years. We've won five Emmys. uh, Congratulations. Thank you. And it's the success of that show that caught the attention of um, American Public Television. And so in partnership with the team over at the Nine Network, um, I'm developing Tastemakers. And it is going to debut in October of 2017. 18. Hello. It is the year 2018.
1: (laughs) It still feels like it's... 2015 right.
2: <laughs> Where does the time go? Um, So it will be debuting this fall, and it will be nationwide. And the folks at American Public Television, they will be distributing it, and 9 will be the presenting station. They anticipate a minimum 50% clearance for the show um, coast to coast, and they think probably it's going to be closer to 75% in just the first season, which is really exciting.
1: That's a big accomplishment for a brand-new show. Brand-new show, That's awesome. Maybe give an example of who you're going to be profiling, that it's not necessarily just the chef making this dish. You're going to profile the people who make... What goes into the dishes?
2: Exactly, it's about the maker movement. So, I mean, the the, the local food movement, the regional food movement, has been going on for a good 15, 20 years. And um, but really, kind of the unsung heroes are the makers. So, the people who are the bread bakers, the brewers, the um, you know cheese makers, the people who are making products that chefs then utilize. The chefs they've got the knives and the flames, and it's all mm-hmm. sexy. Um, but really, it's the makers who are who get up at the crack of dawn and milk the cows, you know, they're the ones who I'm really most interested in because they really are crafting um, just that, you know, what defines American flavor on a day-to-day basis. And so um, for example, I will be heading out to um, Washington state and visiting with oyster farmers okay. and seeing how oysters are grown and harvested. And then also how, um, so the, the company I'm going to be, uh, profiling. They also smoke oysters and then they do work in concert with the local chefs in that region supplying them not only with the raw oysters, but then also the, the smoked product. And then in Florida, I'm going to be profiling a brewery called Orchid Island Brewery where um, it's, uh, it's actually in Indian River County with, where the world, some of the world's best citrus is grown. And so this brewery, not only do they uh, partner with the local growers for grapefruit and oranges and all that kind of good stuff, but they also condense the humidity in the air— to, to get the water for the base of their beer. Yes.
1: So that's, that's built-in flavor right there. It's
2: amazing. So, I mean, the, it's those kinds of stories where you're like, wait, how do they do that? In New York, I'm going to be, and it's actually on, on Long Island, so New York State, um, a snail farmer. So, snails and snail caviar. Most of, if you love escargot, which I do, most of the snails that you eat are from a can. And a lot of times, they're not even, not even produced in the U.S. It's from Europe. Okay. So, this is fresh, and it's American-made, and it's right there in New York. So, how do they grow snails? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> this is awesome.
1: <laughs> when does this debut again, and where can people uh, go to to get more information and get caught up.
2: It will be debuting in October of two, of this year, 2018, and um, if you go to watchtastemakers.com, you can see the pilot, Gary Heingardner, who is the uh, who's the guy behind Wood Hat Spirits in New Florence, Missouri. He is an amazing human, and he was kind enough to let me bug him for a couple <laughs> of weeks, and um, and he helped me to develop the pilot, and so you can see it there and also kind of get a sense of where we're going to be traveling it's going to be everywhere from chicago to denver to dallas to seattle wonderful yeah
1: well coming up next on nothing impossible we're going to get into amazon you've got the bid right there in front of you questions ready
2: Uh, absolutely
1: good to go we've got sheila sweeney coming up next from the economic development partnership also some meetings this week about metrolink expansion to the north and to the south and we'll get the details On where that project stands, all of it coming up on Nothing Impossible. Michael Calhoun with Catherine Neville of Feast Magazine on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. All right. Welcome back, Michael Calhoun and Catherine Neville, publisher of Feast Magazine, in studio for this edition of Nothing Impossible. And we are talking about Amazon. Yes, we are. And let's bring you, before we bring in Sheila Sweeney of the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership, if you have not had a chance to take in the bid, maybe you haven't read all 312 pages This of it. is a book. I think it's a... <laughs> It's actually a three-volume book. (laughs) We'll talk about it in a moment, but first, let's bring you some of the the audio-visual aspect of this bid. You might recognize the voice behind this. From the broad shoulders of the big muddy, it flows,
0: dripping from the brow down the nose of progress, onto cobblestone streets paved with brick and desire. It's a Midwest Coast mantra born of a city's ambition to produce and prosper and fulfill a gateway's promise. This up and atom, up for anything, hustle from day one mentality, fueling a scrappy city's relentless pursuit to make better, do better, and be better. So we stay up later and we show up earlier say, what if, as much as can do. We chase new world frontiers with old-fashioned, wide-eyed wonder, and commit ourselves to always be moving, always be doing, always be making this life in the loo. So when a city smack dab in the middle of America hits you right square between the eyes with its unbridled optimism, that's when you know. That on the border of a state that says, show me, sits a city, intent on showing you. Not just a gateway to the West, but a gateway to what's next. A shining monument to the will and the want to of a city of restless dreamers. Then, this landmark in your soon to be front yard, begs the question.
1: When do we start? Did you recognize the voice on that cat?
2: I did not at first, but I'm telling you, I have goosebumps. I mean it's something where when you watch that, you know, it it's it's a real I, I use the term love letter which kind of sounds a little bit too light but to me so much of of the value of the work that was put into this proposal is really that you know the folks who who worked really hard on this they, they did the research to find out the real value of the st. Louis region and I think that's something that the city needs to be reminded of in a in a really visceral way and so I've been I'm really impressed with the work that's been been done
1: well let's bring in somebody who spearheaded that work Sheila Sweeney president CEO of the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership,
2: and I th- I love the um, the tag that you created, hustle. Like the STL, you can't have hustle without STL, and it's hustle from day one. And I just I think that's really strong. And being in media and beating being in branding and marketing, I mean, whoever um, the team that you put together to to develop that, I think it's I think it's wonderful. And I think we should use it to really market St. Louis moving forward. I don't think that we should just say, okay, well, we didn't. Make the short, you know, the short list. So let's push this to the side. I think we need to leverage this um, to bring new business to St. Louis.
3: Well, that at the partnership, that's what we do every day, and, and help businesses here as well to grow. And so, you know, as we put that 300 plus pages together and the videos, um, with a, a, you know, just a tremendous outpouring of support, community wide. Um, you know, we we kept that in mind that this needed to be an evergreen document, not just for Amazon, but one that would have all of the information and ideas that that you know we can use for any company that is looking at St. Louis or that's here and and you know need have, has a need to know of the assets that we have.
2: Well, I think um, one of the really interesting aspects to this proposal was that we that, that you were suggesting that Amazon would span the river and I have always felt that the river is one of these assets that our city has and our region has that we never f- have really fully um you know utilized or leveraged in terms of just the beauty of it um, obviously it's leveraged um, you know as a transportation but it's something that is a real asset and the idea that we could you know span and the river and have something on the Missouri side and something on the Illinois side and that, that we would have a partnership between the two states, um, you know, is that something that you could see uh, putting in action for some other kind of a development?
3: Absolutely, because, you know, this was the first time that St. Louis, and when I say St. Louis, I'm talking uh, St. Louis City County, St. Charles County, St. Clair County, and, and the other outlying counties that that on a on a proposal to a company that included a, a, you know bottom line real estate type of proposal um, that you know that we all came together and 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 gathered our resources collectively and were able to propose them. It's the first time that's ever happened and I think for us to continue to act in that manner. Is is really what will make St. Louis uh, significant, and um, um, you know will help us to grow. And I I could not agree with what you said about the river. I could not agree more. It just uh, um, it, it it is so underutilized, and you know it's, it it is the mighty Mississippi, and it's it's gorgeous and. You know, people people come to the arch, uh, one of the most visited tourist attractions in America, and you know, see the river. And uh, I, you know, I think visitors also are surprised that we don't have river boats and you know things things to do other you know other than a, a couple. And so, all of this will be the catalyst uh, to to uh, focusing on. Our, our best asset, and, and making sure that we utilize it.
1: I guess bring the floating McDonald's back, right?
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> uh, Sheila, what did you find out from the fact that this was such an unprecedented process from Amazon's perspective, putting out all these details on what a tech company, huge company, multi you know they're they're horizontally integrated they're in multiple businesses uh, cloud computing is actually their biggest money maker not selling packages to people but right. what did you learn about what a company like that looks for in the 21st century where, you know, maybe in the past you wouldn't have made mass transit a big part of it. You wouldn't have made getting this on top of a Metro station as big of a priority, but because Amazon was so insistent on that, it became part of the bid. What are some other things that, that you've learned and that may adjust St. Louis's strategy after this?
3: Well, I think, I think uh, having, having fresh data and uh, knowing what it is that we can offer, uh, you know in a timely fashion is going to be very helpful going forward um, you know because it, it will it will put us in the game um, immediately uh, when we hear of something. So it, it's really helpful that we we just you know have have the basic documents uh, themselves to, to refer to and to keep keep refreshing them on a continuous basis. Um, but I also think uh, you know having that, that checklist that Amazon had um, really is probably what most companies also would look to, and you know, in, in a development they would want to do. So I think you know that's just helpful now to know, you know, what a behemoth like Amazon wanted. Uh, you can just you can just presume that that's what others would too. I think.
1: We're talking with Sheila Sweeney of the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership about the Amazon bid for St. Louis and where we go from here now that Amazon has narrowed down their HQ2 finalists. Michael Calhoun with Cat Neville, publisher of Feast Magazine. will be right back with more Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX.
2: I'm Kat Neville, publisher of Feast Magazine, and I'm sitting here with Michael Calhoun, and we are talking about the Amazon HQ2 proposal. The fact that we did not make the shortlist, but that we have essentially presented uh, a a, pr- a platform for us to move forward as a city um, in terms of growing our base of business, and we are um, so we are we're having a great time chatting.
1: Yeah, we've got Sheila Sweeney of the St. Louis Economic development partnership on the line and and sheila throughout the process you know this was so very few cities released their information st louis released nothing throughout the process maybe peel back a little bit behind the scenes was there was there back and forth between amazon did you hear anything from them or was it just all right we're going to put these 300 pages in the mail and that's it
3: that's that is pretty much the way it went um we did uh, at one point uh, early on here that uh that they did not want to hear about our proposal or what we were doing in any way in the media uh and I think that maybe was a result of some cities doing uh social media you know in a big way and and um, um uh, you know, delivering uh, uh, the cactus. It was they, uh, Tucson, maybe it was, delivered a cactus <laughs> to Amazon headquarters, and Houston um, just flew
1: a plane over Seattle like last some, week,
3: right? Little That's late, right. yes, right. <laughs> and so, you know, those things began to happen, and uh, they they didn't want it to come down that way. Apparently, so we did get the word that they didn't want to hear anything, and so I took that as. They did not want to hear anything, and so we did our best to just, you know, keep our heads down and and work on the proposal and and uh, do our best at that, but not do anything public, uh, you know, to 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 try to keep them happy.
2: I thought one of the interesting aspects um, of, of the proposal was how valuable they found the the transportation infrastructure to be, and in particular, um, Metrolink, which I know is something that uh, there's been a lot of debate about how that part of our city's transportation infrastructure should be grown and and how it should evolve. How do you think we might... Um, take the Metrolink infrastructure forward based on just how valuable we understand it is for business?
3: Well, you know, as part of looking at the real estate and considering what should be the site that that we uh, uh, eventually proposed, we looked at all large tracts of land and especially along the Metrolink route. So, So we now know Water developable sites along MetroLink, uh, and and of course uh, along other bus routes uh, on major thoroughfares. So, you know we we have those ready, and we we have this data on those. So it's it's easy for us now for any kind of company who uh, is coming. Um, you know, and we know what particular size that they need of a site or what have you, and 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 that we can we can offer them sites along MetroLink, and I think that is the future that those those properties will grow because you know as as St. Louis grows and traffic gets uh, uh, thicker and and uh, rush hour takes longer. People will want to use the public transportation we have, so it's um, it, 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 uh, it, it's an asset we have. We pointed out that uh, our metrolink goes from airport to airport, meaning from Lambert to mid America and um, i I, I, th- I think they really like that and there's so much capacity at the airport as well so another another um, really big point for St. Louis. Uh, to be able to take out to to other corporations.
1: What is the importance, uh, Sheila, of the airport in this? We can tell that there is a big importance because of the proposal mm-hmm. for the Conference and Welcome Center outside of Terminal 2. It looks like it's a part of Terminal 2 over the Metrolink tracks. Right. Um, but some people have said, well, maybe we didn't have the direct flights. Some of these other cities have more robust airports, Atlanta, Boston, uh, D.C. certainly, but uh, Denver... But what what kind of a role do you think the airport played, both in the pitch for St. Louis, but then maybe also in St. Louis not making the top twenty?
3: Yeah, I mean that, that that's a good question, and I, you know, I, I hope to know the factual answer about that uh, after you know we're we're able to review some of the other cities' proposals. Um, but I think I think the capacity that we have at the airport. Is a very significant factor that is attractive to businesses because you know they they know that that flights can be added uh, and so if you know if if you did bring in ten twenty thirty thousand or more employees you could add flights it, the, it, it, the infrastructure is already there um, at the same time we don't have that nonstop to Europe. But St. Louis does have quite a few domestic nonstop locations, and I think um, that you know from from Lambert uh, to domestic cities, I think we're we're one of the leaders in the Midwest to have nonstop flights domestically uh, to uh, 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 more cities than others do.
2: So Sheila, I have, a, I have another question for you. What did you personally learn um, through this process about St. Louis that you um, that you think everybody should know?
3: Well, um, I think that uh, it w- was validated for me that St. Louis St. Louisans uh, do not tout all of the great things that we have here and aren't as proud of St. Louis as they should be. Maybe individually people are, but collectively we don't really talk about St. Louis and how great it really is. And uh, that is something that we have to change, and we have to begin to to uh, tout our city for, for uh, all of the, the, the qualities that we have here and our amenities and, and all, because... It, it when you go through this proposal and you see everything we have and you realize you know the the institutions that we have in education and when you see the cultural you know just the list of all all the things going on you know the certainly the restaurants the cat you you know <laughs> you, you can speak to much better than I, but you know you you begin to go through that and you realize my gosh we we have so much here but we don't talk about it like other cities do. Agreed. And 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 we need to do that.
1: Is it on to Apple now? <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly. <laughs> and that's that's not going to be as nearly as as much of a nationwide frenzy as no, Amazon they, was.
3: They've they've said it won't be uh that sort of sort of uh Frenzy is a good word for it, but uh, uh, we we aren't sure of what the process is yet. So we're, we're looking into that to try to uh, figure that out and, and you know 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 where to go. But uh, we've we've already um, started looking to make sure that, that what we have is is uh, complete because we we finished this on October nineteenth when we when we submitted it to Amazon, and so you know we've had a few months now to to. Uh, Sit back and and think about it, and refresh, and maybe add a few things.
1: Do you know if Apple has already decided that they're considering specific cities, and is St. Louis one of those, or is this still too early? I
3: yeah, I I, I think it's still too early. We're we're still trying to, uh, um, to you know just discern exactly how it is they're going to go about this search that, that they've announced.
1: Well, Sheila Sweeney. I'll let you get back to work. Thank you so much for joining us on KMOX.
3: Okay, thank you.
1: And we'll be right back with more Nothing Impossible. We'll talk about Metrolink up next on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Well, there's planning for a new Metrolink expansion. This would be north-south and a series of public meetings this past week to gather some input on these plans as they begin to take shape. It's in the the beginning processes. Let's find out exactly where things stand and the timeline from here from Marcy Maestrick, who is the Corridor Planning Coordinator with East-West Gateway.
4: So this is the north side, south side light rail study. Um, We're looking at connecting um, through downtown um, up to the north um, along Natural Bridge and West and all the way up to I-70, um, and then toward the south, down um, Jefferson and along Interstate 55. It's about a 17-mile corridor.
1: Where do things go from here?
4: So we are in the in the, the study phase of this, um, and we're probably looking at um, another 8 to 10 years before this could be up and running, and a lot of things have to happen between now and then. Um, we have to compete for federal funding. And the way you do that is uh, you have a lot of people who are going to ride it. You have money in place locally to match federal dollars. And thanks to Prop 1 that passed last year, we do have that. We have a local funding match. So that's that's definitely good news. Um, but yeah, all the environmental work still has to be done. Final design of the project still has to be done. So we're probably a good eight to 10 years before this line would be up and running. Um, but I would say the outlook looks looks fairly decent. I think we have a pretty competitive project and we'll know more about that as we finish up um, later this year and into the summer.
1: Did you say that the local match has already been determined?
4: So we do, with the uh, passing of Proposition 1 in the City of St. Louis last year, we do have some local funding in place to fund this new light rail expansion line. Um, a, a, a portion of that money was specifically for this for this type
1: of project now i think i remember hearing that 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 money from that uh, sales tax would be enough to fund these studies but for the actual local match and for the actual funding of the line itself and the construction it wouldn't be near enough
4: it wouldn't be enough to do the entire project um but it would be enough to to fund um a portion of it probably it's about a 17 mile project and we uh with our latest funding projections, we've been in talks with the city about how much money will be available from from that um, from that tax over time. It looks like we could probably fund about half of it.
1: Would this be the same form as the Metrolink as we know it now, or could it potentially run in line with traffic and appear more of, of kind of a streetcar? Um, is this too early to talk about the kind of vehicles and, and uh, the grading?
4: No, actually, this will be a lot different than what we currently operate because um, the original Metrolink and the line that we operate right now runs in old rail beds. Um, so it's it's not exactly in the heart of the communities that it runs through. It's kind of off to the side or behind. Um, the line that we're looking at right now would actually be street running light rail, which is more what you see in cities like Dallas and Denver and uh some of the areas um, where light rail has expanded more recently, um, so it is running not necessarily with traffic, it's running in the center of the street. Um, it doesn't share the lanes with cars, it just shares the space with cars if that makes sense all right, um, but one of the benefits of doing it that way is in, in what we've seen in a lot of other cities is that around those transit stations because you're right in the heart of the community, you see a lot of development opportunities.
1: How big of a especially in the last, I guess, year or two, how big of a role does crime play in these conversations?
4: So normally at this stage of a project development, you wouldn't even talk about anything like that because we're so early and so conceptual, but because it is an issue that is in the front of most people's minds here in St. Louis, it is something we've talked about. So, um, you know, we're asking people to tell us how they would feel, what types of amenities at stations would help them feel safer, But the other thing, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how this line is different than the other lines because it's not in a rail bed. It's right in the heart of the communities. So rather than being a couple blocks from a main drag, you're right in the middle of a large intersection at your stations. So just being in that open area where there are lots of eyes that can see what's going on just by definition kind of makes these stations seem a little safer and feel a little safer, I think.
1: We heard a whole bunch last week from CES about self-driving cars and how by 2020 GM thinks they'll have self-driving cars out there without even a steering wheel and and pedals, and that sparked a lot of conversation about the future of will people own cars, how will they get around, and that sort of thing. Does that conversation play into this as well? You know, if if people are calling autonomous vehicles to take them everywhere, will they have as much of a need for light rail?
4: You know, I think it's a little bit early to to know what's going to be happening with that. I know we are looking at emerging technologies in some of the other studies we're doing as well, some of the highway studies, um, as well as with this light rail study, but it's it's a little early for us to tell how those things are going to impact what what is known today.
1: Where, where should people go for more information, uh, maybe to see the list of meetings or to give feedback online or anything like that?
4: Yes. Yeah, so we have uh, we have a project website. It's www.northsidesouthsidestl.com. dot com.
1: So North South MetroLink definitely under consideration. But you know, people I've heard a few people ask, Kat, if these self driving cars are coming, and people aren't even going to own their own vehicles, will that just be the way that we get around?
2: Well. I think there's a limit to what these self driving cars can do. I have a place in the country. It's on a rock road in the middle of nowhere, and that's the way I like it. (laughs) And, you know, I can't imagine number one, that the mapping for how you would get a car from point A to point B, you know, to be able to, if you live in the middle of nowhere, USA, which a lot of folks do, um, you know, the technology that would be required. But also, sometimes you don't have a destination. You don't necessarily, know that you want to get from point a to point b at least i do Mm. i want to just jump in the car and go for a drive and if i feel like turning right because it looks pretty down that road then i want to be able to make that decision of my own volition Mm. i don't necessarily want a computer saying okay well this is the most efficient way for me to get you to point a to point b in the least amount of time sometimes i like to take the long way home and take a couple detours
1: so you're not going to buy the new GM car, which has no steering wheel or pedals or anything.
2: I, I might if I was looking for a very time efficient way for me, to, like during the work week. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, I want to be able to utilize that hour that I'm in traffic going from here to there. Or if, for example, when I'm traveling, um, when I'm developing my, you know, the television shows, you know, if I have four hours and, you know, on 70 from St. Louis to Kansas City, if I can get some work done during that period of time, then I want to be able to utilize that time but for my own personal enjoyment sometimes I really like to put the top down and mm-hmm. go for a drive.
1: Catherine Neville publisher of Feast magazine and the upcoming Tastemakers. Tastemakers, where can people find more information about all of this?
2: So uh, Feast Magazine, obviously, FeastMagazine.com um, and the show that I produce locally is called Feast TV. It airs on PBS uh, across the state, but Tastemakers is going to debut in October of 2017 on PBS across the country and it will be Nine Network here in St. Louis is going to be the presenting station and um, American Public Television is the is going to be distributing the show and so um, watch Taste makers.com is the website the pilot is up there um, and some information on uh, where I'm going to be you know all the markets I'm going to be hitting and some of the makers I'm going to be profiling so you can learn more
1: there. Great Kat thank you for doing this thank filling you. in for Travis and we'll be back with more local innovation conversation next week on KMOx.